Today, I'm going to talk about the Ten Horns. I talked a little bit about it in the in an earlier episode, and it's there's a lot more to it, and it picks up from Revelation chapter 12. Um, I'm late on doing this episode because there's a lot going on since the spirit of Elijah. We started off in chapter 12 how this woman giving birth with 12 stars on her head. I've been reading about it. It's using the same language in Jeremiah and throughout the prophets as it does in Revelation. And this woman, I believe, would be a new bride is what it would be. And this bride having the 12 stars would be the lost tribe. So this bride would be the lost tribes. And the spirit of Elijah will be born from it to be devoured by the dragon with the ten uh, the ten horns, seven crowns, seven... Uh, all that description is given to you in Revelation chapter 12. I'm actually going to turn there uh, right quick. Um, there's going to be more witnesses that I'm going to have to pull up since I've been studying. I was caught up in my personal studies, but I started studying a little bit more. And with the spirit of Elijah and linking that to the commandments given to Noah with the bow, um, we know in the book of Daniel that this individual takes away the daily sacrifice and the burnt sacrifice. And with there being no temple right now, the only burnt sacrifice I can find significance to would be the burnt sacrifice that Noah gave um, when the ark came to rest. So... I'm still seeing consistency with that rainbow uh, in Revelation chapter 12. We're going to look at that dragon. It has seven heads, ten horns, and seven diadems. Those seven diadems would go to those seven heads. We're also told that those seven heads are kings. One is, and, or one is now and one is to come. And the eighth king is one of the one of those seven he is or he was is not but will be so that's what that is but there are also seven hills that the woman like sits on and we we've linked that to the vatican and i've also thrown the possibility out that the location changes so we're still going to be looking for an we're going to look for another set of seven hills in this episode and Continue reading, you swept the third stars to heaven or to earth. It gave birth to a male child. And this male child got these rewards that were given, or some of the rewards to the seven churches, like the rod of iron, uh, the throne reward, and like this, like all the rewards to the churches, they're to the reader. So there's not just this one person, but there's still the same rewards. And the woman fled to the wilderness for. 1260 days that's three and a half years and we know uh, about the two witnesses prophesying for three and a half days or three and a half years so uh war rose and it, it goes to this dragon standing on the sand of the sea 
and basically about to oppress God's people once again. And it says God's people are those who keep the commandments and hold testimony of Messiah. Before it would have been the Ten Commandments given to Moses. Now, it's just because it never says the number of commandments, it just says God's commandments. And because this is an immersive story, now it would be the commandments to Noah. So now this beast with ten horns, seven heads, and ten diadems. So it's not seven diadems anymore, but it's still the seven heads, and it's still from Amraphel to Constantine Gray and the king that was uh, ruling at the time of the writing of the book. Those are the only kings that's really mentioned. Um, but those ten horns now. So with Nebuchadnezzar's statue, we've gotten the legs of iron, that being... Uh, Constantine's kingdom and then we know it divides into 10 it tells you the fourth kingdom will be a kingdom on our end days and then it will divide into 10 so these 10 kingdoms now are in the form of this beast coming up out of the sea and we know that the sea means group and we're looking at this this animal and it's a mixture of a lion a leopard and a bear and then it attaches this, and it was given a mouth utter haughty and blasphemous words. And uh, here's calling for endurance. Anyone to be taken captive to captivity, if he goes. Anyone to be slain with the sword, with the sword, he must be slain. Okay, we're not going to read about the second beast yet. We're going to look at this first beast coming up out of the sea. And this appears, Daniel will fill in the blanks. And before I go into this, I want to go ahead and say, in my defense, it does say that this, like in Daniel, it does say that this is something that will take part in the end days and it will be better understood as it happens. Makes sense. It's kind of like with Constantine Gray. It makes sense. It happened. It's hard to deny it. With this, it does say it would make more sense because with Daniel... He starts off, I didn't take any notes from this. I'm just going to go based off of memory. But it is a book of Daniel. There are only like, what, five or six chapters actually are visions. And so we're given the first vision of Nebuchadnezzar's statue from the head Babylon all the way to the ten toes. And the head was gold, chest and arms the reasons why it's chest's arms, left arm would be Medes, right arm would be Persian. So it's silver, the middle and the thighs, bronze, that would be Greece, legs, irons, that's Constantine's kingdom, and then the feet, iron mixed with clay. And then we already know that these beasts that come up out of the sea, looking at them as individual be animals, they're uh, Babylon, Medes and Persians, angry. So there's our kingdoms. We've, we've got the kingdoms to be looking at. And right now, as I said, these kingdoms are not here. So this ain't not that this isn't anything to start anything. Uh, there, Greece has a president. There's presidents in all of these countries, except for, well, the territory line has changed a lot. So as I said, these kingdoms ain't here yet. So this ain't to start any drama. So we're giving these animals... They come up out of the sea. We got Babylon, Medes and Persians, and Greece. And that's what Revelation chapter 12 or 13 says with the beast coming up out of the sea. And Daniel goes in a little bit more detail about this in Daniel chapter 2 and then like in all of Daniel. And you're told that 
when he sees these animals, you know, the lion is Babylon, a heart was given to it and it was made to stand on two feet. Uh, the bear had three ribs in his mouth. It was told to rise and devour much f flesh. And it was up on one side. This bear was leaning. And that's important. Uh, the leopard is Greece and it had four heads. So <clears throat> you keep reading and in the river, the river vision, the, the bear, it changes to a ram. And, you, and it says it had two horns. And one horn was higher than the other. And the, and that goes hand in hand with the bear being leaned on one side because it is two kingdoms. That one animal represents the kingdom of Persia and also the kingdom of Medes, which is why this ram has two horns. So that would be one horn automatically for the Medes and one horn automatically for the Persians. And you keep reading into about Persia and it says that basically all in all there's four there's four kings for Persia so we've got five now you got four kings for Persia and you got one king for Medes now we're told to divide into ten so we've already got five so that's for the ram and the bear and Medes and Persians now you gotta look at Greece a lot of stuff happens with Greece there's a lot of I don't really understand the marriage like they are the language. They create an alliance through marrying of the daughters. And there's something weird going on in that. A lot of people have tried to link this stuff to Alexander the Great. And you're told like in that same chapter that this, it, uh, unless the world ended with Alexander the Great, then it hasn't happened yet. So we read more about Greece and you're told it's this goat and it's got this conspicuous horn on its head and it goes and it breaks the other two horns of the ram. Now the ram, it would have two horns, but we know that is five horns because one horn is bigger than the other. Those are actually the four kings for Persia and then the one for Mede. So that goat is going to crush the Persian and Mede Empire, and then, so that, now we're at the six horns, we're at the six kingdoms, and then it says, four kings arise out of that kingdom, so now we're at ten kings, and then, and then there's a little bit of confusion there for me, it talks about this new horn out of the four as I said, it does say it won't be, it'll be easily understood when it happens. That makes no sense to me. But we, but that does equal 10 kingdoms. So it's going to be like when Messiah talks about wars and rumors of wars and stuff like that, like that is birth pains, but wars and seeing the kingdoms of per Medes and Persia being told to rise and devour much flesh. I can see it there too. Um, so I tested this and it says the, uh, one of the kings of Greece, he will trample the host of heaven and say he is equal to like, he is above God and boast basically. So, Continuing in Revelations, it says, you know, it sits on seven hills. 
And looking in Greece, there is seven hills of Athens and blasphemous names on the on the heads. Like, I don't know that much history about like the hills of Greece. I don't I don't know if they're tied to any false god or any like false practice. More than likely they are. More than likely. But when it calls, talks about like blasphemy, there's so many different levels of blasphemy. And so I tested this. I was like, okay, is there a witness that would say something about Greece and, and any kind of revelation language? And there, there is. And this is basically, I feel in a way, it's the first, he, talk, he talks about the first seal and the second seal and the third seal. And then he talks about the coming of the of, of God in all of his glory. So it's weird how it does it. Um, where is it at? I think it's in Zechariah. And this is going to explain a little bit more about the bow given to Constantine the Great, like I did say that the bow it is used as it's a prophetic tool for why can I not talk and search at the same time? Uh, used for political conquest. So looking at each seal, each seal being called out by a star day, uh, the lion, Leo, Constantine the Great, he inherited his father's kingdom when his father died i believe it was like two days after leo was in the star or in the skies and he was given a bow and he wrote off the conquer and he conquered and i said that that bow will where are you at that bow was used by constantine the great to um you know go out and conquer so man give me a headache where you at man let's change book let's change book okay this i feel like is this is an end time prophecy. I feel like I tried looking up a little bit of commentary from, you know, j just to compare it and just to see because I, I like I like testing it, and you know, Christians they link one verse to the Messiah, and I haven't like, and I see that. I do see it, and you're going to see it when I read it. And uh, but I haven't found any real. I haven't. Well, I haven't found any Jewish commentary, and I would like to, but I haven't. I haven't been able to find any. But so I haven't been able to test it against that. So, but testing it against the first seals, constantly great first seal given a bow, and then the spirit of Elijah born out of the bride of the lost tribes to give the Noah commandments. And then the false prophet being, you know, a king of Greece and then the coming of God's judgment. Like I see that 
right here in uh Zechariah chapter 9 and you can just read the whole thing and a lot of it is uh, significant but I want to uh, you start from verse 9 and it talks about behold your king is coming to you humble mounted on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey uh, I will cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow should be cut off and he shall speak he shall speak Peace to the nations, his rule shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the wireless pit. Return to your stronghold. And right here, the first seal, for I have bent Judah as my bow. Okay, if Constantine Great was given a bow, it was it would probably would have been given by God. And if Judah is the bow, and the Messiah comes from Judah, and the bow was given by God, Constantine Great was given Christianity and he went out and conquered with it after he was given his father's crown when his father died two days after Leo was in the star. Then I have made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and will you like a warrior sword. So I've been studying a little bit about Ephraim. And with Ephraim, there's... There's a little bit about Ephraim as far as Ephraim being attached to idols. So, but it does talk about uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, or no, Jeremiah chapter 31. It basically goes over mercy for Ephraim and how he called Ephraim his firstborn. And when you study Ephraim, like as far as Ephraim's sins go, put Ephraim's sins to the side. Like I'm, I'm aware of the history of Ephraim. I'm well aware of it. But it talks about this mercy for Ephraim, and then and even in Hosea chapter four, it talks about being destroyed in the end times, and it continues on. Uh, that that's in Hosea chapter five, and being joined to idols in Hosea chapter four. So there's a lot of there's a lot of mercy for Ephraim, but they're destroyed anyways. But Ephraim is the arrow of Judah against Greece. Then the Lord then God will appear over them and his arrow will go forth like lightning and God will sound the trumpet and march forth in the whirlwinds of the south, protect them, devour them. And on that day, their God will save them as a flock of his people for the crown, for the, for like the jewels of a crown, they shall shine on his land. Like all of this, like Zechariah chapter nine, I feel like is, it, 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 it also fills in the blanks for a little bit of the seals as well. So like studying with Ephraim, Ephraim, um, they, the first king of Israel was Ephraim, uh, but they, you know, they sinned against God. But I mean, I think in the end, everybody did, but there's this cry out for Ephraim. And so I've been studying, I've been studying about the blessings of Ephraim. And, you know, they were the sons of Joseph. They were, they were mixed with, you know, 
with Egyptian uh, blood. So it's nearly impossible. They were cursed to be wanderers on the whole earth too. So there's still, there's genetics in there and, you know, there's no precise country you're going to find them in because they were wonders on, made to be wonders on earth, just like everywhere and even the curses of the Torah. So Ephraim, Ephraim and Manasseh, Manasseh was the oldest and when Jacob blessed him. He crossed his hands over and he blessed Ephraim, the youngest. And Joseph tried to make the correction. And what did what did Jacob say to Ephraim or about Ephraim? Let me look that up. That's in the book of Genesis. Let's see. Uh, Forty-eight twenty. Make you as Ephraim as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Uh, the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Where is that? There's a lot going on with Ephraim. And then studying some more about this, these three seals, like the third seal, the way it is, there's something about the barley or the flour and the, the, the wine and, and all that stuff. Because Elijah, not Elijah, but Elijah, he talks about that. And there's something going on with that. I don't quite understand that. Uh, that's, but it's a voice coming out the midst of the living creature. So I just assume that that would be God talking. And that seems to be some kind of riddle. And it's like with the king of Greece. It says the king of Greece is good with riddles. So that's probably something he might understand. I don't know. But with Ephraim... There's a lot, there, there's some, con I don't feel like it's contradictory going on with Ephraim though, because with Ephraim being its arrow, but it also being destroyed in the end times, if Ephraim being the arrow and it being the second seal, if the spirit of Elijah is Ephraim, that being destroyed in the end times would be linked to the side of Jonah is the only way I can find some sort of compromise between it being destroyed in the end times while also Ephraim being its arrow. And studying the lost tribes that are sealed up, you know, Dan isn't listed. Manasseh is, but the, the Ephraim is not. It says the sons of Joseph. And there's a blessing on Ephraim 
in the, given by Jacob. And I can't find it. Can I find it? But there's there's more to this second seal than I had thought. Um seems to be dealing with a lot of you know, with the dragon devouring the offspring of this bride, this covenant formed with the lost tribes. It seems to be some sort of Jeremiah chapter one mercy for Ephraim to bring Ephraim back into the kingdom, but it's not Ephraim is going to be destroyed. It says the ships of Ephraim, the battle boat, or what does it say? A battleship or something like that will be cut off for Ephraim and the bow cut off from Jerusalem. Like there seems to be, there seems to be a little bit more going on with this second still that I originally thought. Um, study kind of branched out a little bit going to, like I haven't really studied about Greece because, as I said, it hasn't happened yet. There ain't no point in studying it. So it'll be understood when it happens. But now I'm a little bit confused as to what would happen exactly after. Even even with the spirit of Elijah, like what's going on there with so much with blessings and curses and the history. But I feel like, I feel like it's going to be like Ezekiel. He talks about uh, joining the two sticks, one being Judah and one being Israel. And like people over time, like Jews at that time linked it to something. And then when Christianity took place, Christianity linked it to something. And, I feel like Ezekiel was actually talking about mercy for basically all the lost tribes. Because, I mean, you know, Messiah did say he came for the lost sheep. So, I don't know. Maybe what we're looking at here is... It's hard to tell where to go with this because them, that scroll was eight. Nobody was told what them seven voices were. So that's what I've been studying on. I, I've been drifting away and studying this. And it all makes sense from knowing that these animals are already assigned to Babylon, Medes, and Persians, and Greece. But that lion being given a heart to stand like a man, that's interesting. Because he ain't never really given a kingdom. But we are told Persian, Medes, and Greece are though. So, that's a little bit more into that study. Um, it's not concrete though. Not as, you know, with Constantine. But I do feel like 
it will be better understood when it happens. And even Daniel chapter 2 verse 39 says, Greece shall rule over all of the earth. So I feel like, yeah, this eighth king that's one of the seven would be that king of Greece. So Rome would, Rome would pretty much be irrelevant at this point. It wouldn't be Rome. But that's it. I'm going to be doing another episode. Apologize for not doing this one on Saturday, but I'll try to get to another one next Saturday. Later. Only